0: One of the greatest pictures of salvation, the most vivid pictures of salvation, is the Lord's Supper. And this morning, um, we're going to worship through the Lord's Supper. And for those of you watching at home, if you are uh, able to prepare with us, if you're able to to do that, uh, we want you to join us. But for those of us in the room, um, we need to we need to worship. Through this, the Lord's Supper is an important um, act of worship for us. What does it represent? It represents the death of Christ. And we're called to remember the death of Christ and why he died. I mean, at our church, we practice what we call open, closed communion. And here's what I mean by that open, meaning that the Lord's Supper we invite all believers, even if you're not a member of our church, we invite you to take the Lord's Supper with us. If you know Christ as your Savior, we invite you to the table with us. If you're here today and you're not a believer, we are so thankful that you're here and, and want you to, to see Jesus. And it's our prayer that you see who he is and and, and what he's done and, and how he came for you. Uh, but when it comes to this act of worship, if you're not a believer, we invite you to watch this, but, but we, we, we believe this is set aside for those that know Christ as Savior. Now, like I said, the Lord's Supper, it, it's a picture of the death of Christ, because He died for us. And He went to the cross for us. Uh, the, 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 remember, we're supposed to remember the body and the blood of Christ that he willingly gave his life for your sin, for my sin. He went to the cross. We're to remember the death of Christ. The, the, the Lord's Supper is such an important picture because not only is it to us to remember the body, the death of Christ, but, but we're to remember that he came for us. Like, Like you take the bread. And, and you, and Jesus passed it around in that upper room. And he said, he said, guys, this is my body given for you. And, and he said, I want you to take it and I want you to eat it. And, 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 and then he passed the, the, the wine around. He said, this is a new covenant in my blood that is given to you. And so the Lord's Supper is not just this distant um, picture of the body and blood of Christ, but it's a picture that he came to you. It's you that he died for. And when you take that bread and you eat it, you're saying, Jesus, you changed me. Jesus, you saved me. When you take that juice and, and you drink it, you're saying, Jesus, your blood covers me. And so as we participate, as we worship today, we're not just remembering the body and blood of Christ, we're remembering how it impacted our lives. How Jesus changed us. And, and I'm, I'm blown away at how the, the forgiveness of God changes us. You know, the, the, the Lord's Supper is this, another cool picture of the Lord's Supper. And this is so incredible. The Lord's Supper is, is also marks the unity of believers all through history. I mean, think about it. Jesus told the disciples, I want you to do this in remembrance of me, and you are to do this until I return. Okay, so all through history, as we look back at at that upper room experience, and from that moment on, believers all through history have gathered and said, hey, I remember when Jesus saved me. I remember when he he came into my life. And, and, And here we are in 2021, and we're still gathering to say, hey, don't you remember? Don't you remember when Christ washed your sins away? And that's what today is. But, but it's this participation all through history and, and believers even going into the future beyond 2021 will gather together and go, hey, hey, don't you remember when Jesus saved you? It's a unity, unifying act of worship for believers all through history. You know, when I think about the Lord's Supper, lastly, it's 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 a moment for you to get right with the Lord. And and 1 John 1, 9 is amazing. It's an amazing truth. It says, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and he is just and will forgive your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And so this morning, we have an opportunity to, to gather around the elements, But before we do, let's let's get right with the Lord. I don't know how you walked in today. You may have walked in today and you you limped in today. Because maybe you've got some wounds in your heart. Maybe some of those are self-inflicted. I don't know. But do you know that, that when you bring your sin to Christ, He forgives you? That's amazing to me that he would offer that kind of connection and relationship with him, that he knows the details about your life. He knows your failures, yet he loves you. And in this moment, gives you an opportunity to come close to him. So the Lord's Supper is an important moment for us as we worship him. So here's what I want us to do. I want us to ask you to bow your head. That's right where you are. Bow your head and close your eyes. And and would you... Do your best to think about your failures right now and take those failures to Christ and ask him to forgive you right now. Would you just do that? Father, all of us in this room are those who have been forgiven much. Lord, you have shown us grace, that gift that we don't deserve. You've shown us mercy. You've not given us what we do deserve. And Lord, this this morning, in our frailty, in our humanity, in our best, um, most honest position, we bow before you, confessing that we need you, praising you that you have come close to us and, and, and you gave your life for us, you did for us, what we couldn't do for ourselves. Thank you, Jesus, for the cross. And this morning, Lord Jesus, we remember what you've done and what you're doing and what you're going to do. So, Father, as we draw close to you, may we do it with sincerity, authenticity. And Father, I just want to say out loud today that we need you, and we're grateful, and today we remember. We remember. I thank you for the magnificence of your forgiveness, that you choose to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Father, thank you. And so today we worship you and we look to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Joe's going to lead us in this song. And as, as we worship and sing, all around the room, our deacons are stationed all around the room. And what I'd like you to do is just go to one of these stations. Your elements are together. And would you... Pick those up, bring them back to your seat, and together we'll take the Lord's Supper together. Joe, lead I cast
1: my mind to Calvary But
2: Jesus bled, he died for me And I see his wounds, his hand in his. My Savior on that curve, tree, his body bound in yeah, drenched in tears, they laid him down in Joseph's tomb transcealed by heavy stone, Messiah still, and all
0: said this is my body that is given to you and you know they didn't get it in the moment they didn't understand the, the significance the magnitude of the moment but he said I want you to take and I, want you to, I want you to do this and rem, I want you to remember me I don't want you to forget And this morning that's our call to not forget what he did for us would you take this Lord Jesus you gave your body for us and Lord we, we thank you it's hard for us to wrap our minds around you holy God coming sin for us. Lord, we thank you for the gift of salvation. And we remember today in Jesus name. Amen. You know, in the Exodus, it's interesting they they were told, the children of Israel were told, I want you to get a spotless land. I want you to put the blood on the doorpost. Of your house, and we we know what that's like. God has died for us. Christ went to the cross for us. And what has His blood done? It's it's washed our sins away. It's on the doorpost of our of this house, our hearts, our lives. And that's why we go, yeah, Lord, you you shed your blood for us, and and we're to remember sacrifice he made for your sin. All those failures that we brought to him. He 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 died for you. Died for me. And he passed that cup around with his disciples and he says, hey, whenever you drink it, remember me. And I want you to do this until I return. Um, Would you take it? Would you drink? Lord, today ah, we praise the name of you, our Lord, our God, our King, our Savior. Thank you, Jesus. Today we worship you. We praise you. We love you. We we just want you to know, Lord, we love you. And thank you sounds so inadequate. So, Lord, would you listen to our hearts today? Because, Lord, we, we just say thank you for forgiveness. Lord, we worship you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Joe, lead us.
2: He shall return in robes of white. The blazing sun shall pierce the night, and I will rise among the saints. My gaze space on Jesus' face. Let's declare this to the Lord this morning. Oh,
1: that you poured out for our sins. Father God, we are, we are nothing without you, Jesus. Father, this morning as we dive into your word, may your truth overwhelm us this morning. If you're in this room or online, Father God, may you move mightily wherever we are at. Father God, may your truth be revealed to our hearts till we respond to you, Jesus. Oh God, we need you. I'm grateful that, that God made him who knew no sin to become our sin so that we might be seen righteous in God's eyes. That God took Joe's sin. He took my sin. and became my sin so that I could be seen righteous in the Father's eyes. Father, remind us of that every day. As we walk through this life, remind us what you've done for us. I'm grateful that we can commune with you this morning and remember and remind ourselves all the good things you've done for us. Jesus, overwhelm us this morning as we dive into you. Speak through my pastor, Lord Jesus. Your Holy Spirit move across everywhere that you're moving. Lord, we love you and we praise you. Ask all these things. In the name of Jesus and all God's people, Said, Amen. You may be seated.
0: Amen. Well, we probably could go home right now, but I wrote a sermon, so we're going to go ahead and stay for a little bit longer, if that's okay. Uh, What a great day. Aren't you glad you came to church today? I'm I'm so glad. you know, if you have your Bibles, we're in Matthew chapter 12, and, and if you've got our app, maybe you've gotten some messages today because uh, from our Compassion Kids, and, and this, is one of the, this is the girl we're sponsoring, a Scarlet is, is who we're sponsoring, and I, I love what God's doing through Compassion. Because uh, we've written letters to scarlet and and uh, Keith right now is is planning a trip to to go over there to our partnering church and we're going to get to work with them and and it's just amazing to to see how the lord's working and I love compassion because it really is uh, an opportunity for us to see God at work right in front of our face and and that's what i I'm grateful for that that we get to see the Lord at work and have you ever seen God move right in front of your eyes, like right in front of you? Um, I was telling, uh, I was having a conversation about David Valorand with uh, uh, someone this week, and David was as uh, is, it is, was a dear friend. I uh, loved David Valorand. He's the first baseball coach I hired with the Ambassador baseball team in that ministry. If you're familiar with that, um, and I. David and I stood next to each other countless times, and I would hit him on the shoulder and go, dude, can you believe we saw God just do that? You know, I had to preach his funeral a few years ago. It just broke my heart. He was a dear, dear friend. But, but he's one of those guys that, that I have memories of standing next to going, I, we watch God do that right now. Oh, my goodness. God moves. And God has moved. And in Matthew 12, this is where we are today. If you have your Bibles, Matthew 12, verse 38, this is a moment that God moved right in front of these guys' eyes. And they missed it. They missed it. I'll tell you what, I don't want to miss God when he moves in front of my eyes. But sometimes we do, don't we? We miss it. Matthew 12. It's a big moment. And I'll tell you why we're in Matthew here in just a little bit. But if you have your Bible stand and let's read God's Word today. Matthew 12. 38, we stand, if you're new today, we stand in honor of God's Word. Even if you're at home, we invite you to stand with us just as a statement to say, God, this is your Word, not ours, and uh, you're, you're speaking today. And so let's listen to what it says. Verse 38 says, Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered him, saying, Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. But he answered them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign. But no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up at judgment, at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. The queen of the south will rise at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for she came from the ends of the earth to hear wisdom, the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, something greater than Solomon is here. And this is the word of the Lord. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, Now, as you grow spiritually, you'll find yourself asking, uh, God, I want to notice where you're working. And I always think that's a good prayer to pray, to, to a good practice in your life to pay attention where God's working. And and when you think about how God was working at this time in the history of humanity, it, when He uh, had this confrontation with these scribes and Pharisees, these guys were living through an historic moment. I mean, and it's hard. Uh, let's not let's cut them a little slack in the first century because you know, honestly, when you go through a, a monumental historical moment, sometimes you don't realize it until you look back on it, don't, right? Well, we don't realize it till later. I mean, here we are living through COVID crisis, and, and, and no one's really sure how it's all going to shape things, and we'll just have to see. And, and, and the truth is, when, when you think about what's, go, what's going on in here, in this moment, this is without a doubt the focal point of human history, when Christ was in the world when Christ was walking the earth. And 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 you when you just look at it, the the birth of Christ, the, the life of Christ, the death of Christ, the resurrection of Christ, oh my goodness. That was monumental historical moments. And and when you think about the mag just the magnificence of that claim coming from this time in history, the fact that Jesus would rise from the dead. I mean it's it's remarkable. Now We've, we're in Matthew today, and you might, if you've been following along with us for the last several weeks, we've been in the middle of Colossians, and we just finished Colossians chapter 2, right? We have Colossians 3 and 4, and we're going to get there after Easter, but, but we're, we're taking a little, little application moment, because remember what we've been learning through Colossians? Through Colossians, we've been learning this, this really important truth. It's it's really the main message of the book of Colossians. And it's it's Christ is not just prominent, Christ is what? Preeminent. Christ is preeminent. Now, now we have wrestled with those those terms of syncretism, That that there's this pressure that we're seeing in our culture to, hey, you Christians, you ought to just syncretize your faith with all the other faiths in the world, right? This pluralism is a term that we've kind of had to embrace and confront, and this idea that, you know, Christianity, it's really just like, it's just one of the options in the buffet line of religious belief, right? No, it's not. Christ is not just the best option. Christ is preeminent. He's the only option. I mean, think about it. All the other religious leaders, guess what? They, they died. They're still dead, right? But Jesus, in the first century, rose from the dead. He, that's not just the best option. That's the only one, right? the only one and when you think about the, the the message of Christianity it reveals a narrow path to the heavenly city a narrow way and this is uh, this is what the Bible says and and, and we understand that because truth is always narrow isn't it it's like when I was uh, my dad when I was younger my dad had a diesel pickup my dad was an auto mechanic and and I borrowed it one time and I, I go to borrow my dad's diesel pickup and he goes hey Guess what? This is a diesel. Diesel. So when you pull up at a gas station, don't put regular gas in this truck. I was like, okay, I got it. I, I could have said, that's gas. Gas is gas, right? What? No, it's narrow. Truth is narrow. Truth is always narrow. And Jesus claimed to be God. Now, it's interesting when you look at the first century and these guys, um, so many were surprised at the resurrection. They were like, oh my my goodness, Jesus died. The disciples were surprised. People were surprised. And that causes me to scratch my head over the next several weeks as we prepare for Easter. You know what we're going to discover? We're going to discover at least six of the resurrection encounters. You know, it's interesting about Jesus because he talked about the resurrection. He he said, I'm going to die and I'm going to raise from the dead. And it's, it's interesting to me, we all are surprised when God does what he says he's going to do, right? are we? We're surprised. I mean, I think the world's going to be surprised someday when we're like, oh my goodness, he came back. Like we just sang about, he's going to come back. And, and here's the reality, God always does what he says he's going to do. And, and we see over and over again Jesus telling his disciples beforehand, I'm going to die and I'm going to rise from the dead. And this, Matthew 12, is one of them. Now, I want to challenge you to memorize a verse through this next six weeks. And it's an interesting verse. It's a verse that we, that it's not like Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's, this is a verse that, that will... When you memorize it, you'll just kind of scratch your head a little bit, but it's 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 16 through 19. If you have your Bibles, you can flip over there. I'm going to put it up on the screen. But I want to challenge you to memorize this verse, and it says this, For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people to be most pitied. We need to memorize that verse. Now, what's Paul saying there? He's saying, look, if the resurrection did not take place, then everything we're doing here is pointless. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then there is no hope when you die or when I die or when anybody dies. You're just dead. But That's what Paul's saying there. We're to be most pitied. We ought to memorize that verse, especially as we confront these resurrection encounters. You know, it's interesting because when we memorize that verse, I want you to realize Jesus did rise from the dead. He did conquer the grave. And because of that, everything changed. Now look look at verse 38 in Matthew 12. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees, it says, answered him saying, Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. Uh, they, they're, they're like, hey, Jesus, uh, we, we know about you. We're, these are the teachers. These are the scribes. These are the, the religious people. These are the, the guys that have been studying. These are the guys that had memorized the Pentateuch. You know what the Pentateuch is? The Pentateuch is Genesis through Deuteronomy. These cats memorize that, that little passage of Scripture. If you have your Bible in hand and it's not in your phone, just Grab the pages Genesis through Deuteronomy. Yeah, those dudes could quote that. That's some effort. These are religious guys. They were scribes. They were Pharisees. They came to Jesus and said, "Hey, we want to see some signs from you. We want to see a few tricks. Hey, we want to see your tricks, Jesus. We've heard about you." And what is? And now I hear people say, "We need to be nice like Jesus." Okay, if you look at what he says in verse thirty-nine. Jesus is not like making friends right here with verse 39, but he answered them, an evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign. This is a big deal. This is not very nice. This is worse than you play baseball like a girl. I mean, that's worse than that, okay? And some of you girls I just made mad. I'm sorry. You Some of you can play. Um, but, but this is, this is an uppercut. Now, what you see, point number one, if you're following along, is God's salvation plan has historic evidence. And these guys should have known that. Of anybody, these guys should have known the evidence. I mean, think about the evidence of God's salvation plan, the story of Israel. Israel! Then, as a nation, can you believe that? That's incredible evidence of God's hand. I mean, the Egyptians—they tried to destroy the, 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 this little family of Israel. I mean, think about them. They were always surrounded by the most powerful nations in the world, the most powerful um, systems of government in the world. The, so many people tried to destroy the, the Israelites, but yet here they are, 2021. They're still around. I mean, the Egyptians tried. If you read your Old Testament, that didn't work out for them. Um, the Babylonians tried. They, they were, his, the children of Israel were stuck among the world powers of the Assyrians, Babylonians, Babylonians, Egyptians. Then Germans tried to destroy them. and, and all, But here they are. They're still around. It's evidence of God's hand of salvation. You know, um, these guys were part of the children of Israel. They should have known this. The, the prophets of old. That's another group that, that gives historic evidence of the, of the hand of God, of the salvation plan of God. I mean, these guys knew the prophets. I mean, if you were with us at Christmas time, we studied Simeon. Remember Simeon? He was that old man that knew the prophecies and, and he was expecting Jesus to be there. And these guys are coming questioning Jesus right here, and they should have expected him. Simeon was. Simeon was looking for Jesus and he found him. You remember the Magi as they were looking for Jesus? Why were they looking for him? Because all the prophets spoke that this is the time that the Messiah was going to come. These guys knew, these Pharisees, these scribes, they knew about Isaiah. They knew about Ezekiel. They they knew about Zechariah. They knew what the prophets had said. They, of all people, should have said, Yeah, we've been looking for you, Jesus. But they, they didn't do that. They came and said, Hey, show us some tricks you know, but the evidence was right in front of them. Another piece of evidence is the life of Christ. I mean, his life, I mean, they they obviously knew, Jesus, you're different. Nicodemus was one of the Pharisees. John 3 talks about that Nicodemus came at night, and what did he say? He said, Jesus, look, you gotta be from God, because nobody can do what you do unless God were with them. Nobody. But this group of guys comes and goes, hey, man, show us something, Jesus. Show us. But right in front of their face is the salvation plan. Right in front of them. And it's amazing. You know, he says, verse 39, an evil and adulterous generation seeks a sign. And you know what? Sometimes we do that. I would say that, that probably this evil and adulterous generation looking for a sign from God is probably every generation, maybe even ours, definitely even ours. But you know, another evidence of God's salvation plan is us, the church. I mean, think about the church. I mean, here's God is moving in the church. God is, I mean, Jesus said uh, in Matthew 16, I'm going to start my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Some people have said, oh, the the coronavirus is going to destroy the church. No, it ain't. It's not going to destroy the church. Oh, there's going to be financial problems in the future of the church. It's going to be destroyed. No, it's not because God always keeps his word. He's going to do what he says he's going to do. And let me tell you something, the gates of hell itself will not prevail against the church. And that's evidence of God's hand, God's salvation plan. But another evidence of this right in front of our face, we don't need a sign, is that the Holy Spirit's at work right now. The Spirit of God is moving, is at work. And, and I, I'm grateful. You know, one of my favorite passages of scripture that I've memorized is 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 10 through 12. And, 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 G, and Peter writes this, he says, he, he says, concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the things that have now been told to you, searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find the times and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when they predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. So these prophets are, are going, man, I got this message about a suffering servant. Isaiah's going, man, Jesus, the, the Messiah's going to be, his, he's going to have stripes and he's going to be wounded. And, but I got to write this down. And he says, Peter writes, it was revealed to them. They were not serving themselves, but they were serving you and me when they spoke of the things that have now been told to you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, even angels long to look into these things. So what Peter is saying is the salvation message is so very cool, so very intricate, and so amazing. Don't miss it. But these guys missed it. Look back at verse 39. But he answered them, you know, And behold, something greater than Jonah is here. The queen of the south will rise at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, something greater than Solomon is here. Now, to understand this passage, you got to go get a little Jewish history because, um, you know, the prophet Jonah, he was that Jewish prophet that was sent to the Ninevites. They were Gentiles. They were were rough people. And and remember the story goes, is the the Old Testament tells us, that that Jonah was swallowed by a fish for three days and three nights. And I've had some people go, you believe that? You think that's true? Absolutely, I do. Um, uh, Absolutely. Why? Because Jesus talked about it, and I don't know about you, but if it's good enough for Jesus, I'm good with it. Okay, I'm okay because I mean, do I understand how the the physics and the the, the how that whole fish thing worked out? No, but there. But I've come to realize that I don't have to understand everything from God. I mean, I don't understand how we are still sitting right now on a ball, uh, going about. 60,000 miles an hour right now through space with no strings attached and we're not spinning off into some bad moment, right? I don't understand that. God is big enough uh, to work in a way that I don't understand. But all I know is that this Jonah went to these Gentiles and he was swallowed by a fish and he goes, okay, God, I'll follow you. And he did. And, and then this queen of the south, this is Sheba, Queen Sheba, who came to Solomon for wisdom. She was a Gentile and came for wisdom. And, and you know what I really think? When Jesus brought up these Gentiles that were good examples, I think this really ticked these guys off. Because they were like, hey, buddy, we're the religious people. Don't we have to watch religious pride? Don't we have to watch this, hey, wait, I am smarter than you. Don't bring up this stuff. I know my Bible, Jesus. You're lecturing us with a Gentile example. What? And Jesus, I love it that Jesus picked a fight. I love that about him. He's a tough dude. But look at verse 41. Jesus says something greater than Jonah is here, boys. I'm right in front of you. Something greater than Jonah is right here. And then he says, verse 42, for 41, something greater than Jonah is here. 42, he says, something greater than Solomon is here. And what is point number two for us tonight or today? Jonah and Sheba paint a picture of Christ's salvation plan. Let's look at this. What's the salvation plan? You see it right in front of our eyes. Jonah was just a man. We know that. Jonah was just a man, but Jesus was God in the flesh. Jesus like, hey, you're looking at something greater. Because Jonah was a man, I'm God in the flesh. Jonah struggled to obey, didn't he? He didn't want to go to the Ninevites. Jesus willingly went to the cross. The God of all creation willingly went to the cross. And let me tell you something. I that is big for us. We're going we're to see that one day. One day we're going to stand before God and see him face to face, the holiness of God face to face, and we're going to be like, whoa, man, holy God took my place. And we're going to see like we tried today to, to, to respect that cup and respect that bread. Man, when we see Jesus face to face, we'll go, wow, thank you, Jesus. Jesus willingly went to the cross. Here's another thing. Jonah didn't actually die. He just was in the belly of the fish. He probably smelled like he was dead. I bet he stunk pretty good, right? Um, But Jesus died and came out of the grave. Jonah went to, this is cool, Jonah went to one city to share salvation. You know what Jesus did? Jesus came to bring salvation to the world. That here we are in Indian territory talking about Jesus because Jesus came to the world. Jonah, you know what's interesting? Jonah didn't love the people of Nineveh. He didn't love them. Jesus demonstrated his love for us that even though we were sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus loved his enemies. You and I were enemies of God. And what did Jesus do? He loved his enemy. And some of us have forgotten that we were an enemy of God. And we must never forget that. And Sheba, she's interesting. She was this Gentile lady that came to the king. You know, we get to see something greater than that because we get to see a king that came to us. And this is the picture of God's salvation plan. So point three is simple. It's repentance or rejection are the only responses you can make to God's salvation plan. I'm blown away. And I don't understand the... The dignity of causality, C.S. Lewis referenced. That God gives us the dignity to reject him. Jesus didn't make us follow him. And my, 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 my observation today is here is this group of men that knew better. They knew the word of God. And it was right in front of them. It was a resurrection encounter because Jesus basically said, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do what Jonah did, but it's better than that. And they missed it. I don't want you to miss it. You know, know, I'll tell you what. um, I'm pretty motivated right now to share the gospel with people. Um, do you know when I think about our call as a church? Do you know what our main job is? It's not to argue theology. It's not just to, it's not to feed people. It's not to. Uh, um, it's not our main job. Do we know theology? Yes. Do we feed people? Yes. It's not to help our compassion kids. It's not our main job. Do we do that? Yes. Our main job is to share the gospel with the world. It's our main job. You know what I had to do on Friday? I, I play tennis, and um, and I like to compete, and I, I don't play for fun. I play to win. Um, so I don't play for exercise. I just like to f- win. I like to... F- I like, to, I like a good tennis match where someone's hitting the ball at me. Friday, I had to stand and preach the funeral of my 34-year-old doubles partner. And I play in this league with some guys. And, and Brian, you can hold me accountable. Brian plays. So Eric's here somewhere, I think. Um... I've talked about church. I talked about church with Brett. I talked about you know good things with Brett, but I never sat down with Brett and said, "Brett, let me tell you about my about Christ." I hadn't gotten there yet. Well, I've repented of that. Our our next our first match this season is coming up in a couple weeks. And when we gather at that first match, because all those guys knew about Brett's funeral. And when we gather at that match, um, I started yesterday because I saw a guy yesterday at the sweetheart run. My wife and I ran the sweetheart 5K. Thank you for noticing. I'm just kidding. Um, I'm trying to lose this belly I've got. But we ran this run, and I saw a guy that I play against. And this guy played at OU. He's beating me every time, and it drives me crazy, and I want to beat him this year. Thank you, Steve. <laughs> Thank you. But I, I said to Brian, I said, did you hear about Brett? He goes, yeah, I did. Everybody has heard about Brett. So I've started the process. And, and on that first match, I'm going to, before we split up on all of our courts. I'm going to look at every one of those guys and I'm going to share the gospel with them on a tennis court. Amen. And folks, let me tell you something. Um, our job as a church is to follow the Lord where he is working, right? And where God is working He's working in the lives of people we know, people in your life, in my life. And God is moving his people to bring a resurrection encounter to the world. That's our job. To follow the Lord, to bring a resurrection encounter to this world. We just worshiped God by saying, Jesus, you died for me. You shed your blood for me. We must not be silent anymore. Man, I don't know that I fully grasp. <laughs> Um, the the magnitude of salvation but I know that Jesus died rose from the dead and changed my life and he can change yours too And all I know is that if you come to Jesus, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, he'll save you. Come to Jesus. Let's follow him where he is working. Let's not miss the resurrection encounters. I'm going to ask you to stand where you are. Lord Jesus, it's time to respond to you. Father, I thank you that when I brought to you my sin of of putting off sharing the gospel with my teammates and my opponents. I thank you that you forgave me and you cleansed me from all unrighteousness. And Father, I pray we'd be a church that sees where you're working and joins you. Father, Father, Now's the time for us to walk with you. And I pray we would. Use us in this city, in this place, in the lives of people, in our families. Thank you that you give us the blessing of resurrection encounters. Now move us to our knees and lead us, Jesus. your name we pray. Amen. Our altars are open and we invite you.